0: How's it going, everybody? My name is Timmy D, and you're listening to my podcast, Timmy D in the Industry.
1: Good morning, everybody. How's it going? Thank you so much for tuning in much appreciated. Thank you so much for sharing this podcast with a friend. We are now available on many different platforms. Anchor has provided us with the platforms of Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and of course you could find us over at SoundCloud, the OG for Timmy D in the industry. We are now in our fifth year of, uh, of podcasting. Season number seven. Thank you so much. And it's because of you guys. Because we don't advertise. It's you guys sharing this podcast with a friend, a family member, a co-worker, or an enemy, or as Trevor says, sometimes even both. Anyways, today in studio we have director, producer, writer. I messed it up. I even wrote it down. Producer, director, writer, Joel Fagenbaum. Joel, how you doing? All good. Dude. I'm so excited to have you in here. Let me list a few things and then you could talk about yourself, because I'm gonna I'm gonna force you to talk about yourself. But uh, Joel is uh, a man about town in Hollywood is now since moved way outside of town to a uh Kansas. <laughs> but he ain't in Kansas anymore. He's back here. I've been working with him for the last couple months, but I've known the guy for a couple of years. What, when did I meet you? 2013? 2013. 2013. Okay. But if you want to take a look, just go to imdb.com and type in Mr. Joel J. Fagenbaum, last name spelled F-E-I-G-E-N-B-A-U-M. We'll post a few pictures of uh, him and I. Uh, we're going to take a few pictures after this. But Joel and I are working on... Uh, we're going to keep it kind of on the down low right now. But we're working on a project together. I'm not going to elaborate too much more unless he decides to. I'll, I'll let you handle the elaboration, Joel. Dude, I'm so glad you made it out here. Great to be back. Let's talk some shop. I'm supposed to put a disclaimer in Joel's uh, Joel's a little horse. He, we've been uh, doing a lot of talking, and he sat next to a very sick person on the plane out here. I think you got some of that. And then plus you've been going all over SoCal since you got out here. That's you flew true. in last Thursday. We're recording this on Wednesday, just in case anybody's uh, wondering. Wednesday. Marcus, what day is today? It is Wednesday. The December... Wednesday, December 11th. Okay. Intern just like December 11th. Oh, crap. It's my nephew's birthday. Welcome. And also is the day of... uh, Wait, December 7th was... <laughs> I think 8th what December 8th what's the uh, Pearl Harbor December 7th or Oh 8th? December 7th I was thinking of so, John Lennon yeah. Dine, was John the Lennon died on the 8th Well I know cuz you're a huge Beatles fan right. that's that was a red letter day and uh, or also a day of uh, infamy or whatever What did uh, Roosevelt say today will be a day that lives in infamy Yeah
2: And so in your heart it was December yeah, 8th very low point low, Do you low, know low. do
1: you know where you were do you remember where, you, remember were, where exactly
2: you were I remember exactly where I was I was on in my apartment between uh, La Brea and Fairfax at 4th Street, it was a Monday night, Monday night football, and Howard Cosell comes on um, and says that John Lennon has been shot, and uh, if I remember it right, by the time the game was over that night, they announced that he, had, he was dead. Well, that's a great way to start the podcast out. <laughs> now we can only on go that, up from on that air, low man. note. On
1: that low note, let's get let's get let's make it a little bit higher. So let's uh, let's talk some shop. You got your start in Hollywood back in 19 let's let's date you. 1979, man. 40 years ago
2: this year June, this past year. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. How you feel? You look good, man. Yeah. Well, you know, I was a lot younger. I was 24, I guess, when I came out. What, and uh what drove that? Well, grew up in Kansas City. When you say, you know, I'm back in Kansas, I'm on the Kansas side, but grew up in Kansas City, Missouri. The city's divided by state line, but it's really one big metropolis. And uh, uh, always wanted to be a filmmaker. Uh, My parents didn't think that was uh, practical or realistic for a kid growing up in the Midwest. And, you know, in 79, I, you know, they just, they couldn't wrap their brain around the idea of filmmaking for you know, someone like me, but I had done a lot of still photography, and uh, back in the day, it would be eight and Super eight, eight, millimeter and Super Eight millimeter movies as a kid. Did you get
1: that down? The two hands making a little oh, I, square. Oh, yeah. so I
2: could, I could make just, the frame with the hands. You look good right now, so I'm yeah. framing you. you I, I need a frame to make me look good. That's and <laughs> uh, so I, you know, I went another route. Uh, you know, not to go against my parents' wishes, and I studied architecture. So I went to mm-hmm. Michigan for undergrad, KU for grad school. Both degrees in architecture, but during that second year of my grad school work, uh, my love of film really uh, hit me hard, and I knew that you know I wasn't, a, I wasn't great as a designer, I don 't think in architecture, and uh, strangely enough, uh, around Christmas time, uh, that winter of 78 going into seventy nine uh, I ride my bicycle back to my apartment one night, and I see the football field is lit up, and there 's this giant film crew out there. And it was Flip Wilson, which was a variety, uh, uh, he had his own variety show. He was a comedian, and uh, it was quite a popular show back then. They were shooting a Super Bowl special in anticipation of, I guess, to play that January Mm -hmm. uh, around the time of whatever Super Bowl that would have been, Super Bowl of 79, January 79. And uh, I pull up on my bike, start talking to some of the crew people, and, you know, said, that was my secret desire to be to be one of you guys uh-huh. or gals. And they said, well, you're going to have to come out to L.A. for that. So that kind of was just seemed like fate. And about a week or two after I finished grad school that spring, uh, came out to Los Angeles. And fortunately, one of my buddies had just moved out here yeah. with his girlfriend. Uh, shout out to Mike King and Sherry King. They put me up for about three months and helped me find my first job, which strangely enough uh, was at a company that was owned by Robert Kardashian, Bob Kardashian. Mm-hmm. It's called Radio Records, and it was a uh, kind of like Billboard, but a little bit more industry-oriented. Yeah. And um, they were doing a multimedia show, and they needed someone to do some still photography. And my friend said, you know, Joel can do that, and they hired me for three months, um, and... That was the beginning uh, of everything. It's The beginning of the end, and uh, it was it was pretty cool. So you know, I had I had a little bit of money coming in. Yeah. I think it was fifty dollars a day, which was yeah. about what I could make, if not a little better, than as an architect uh, starting out. Yeah. And uh, and then just started taking gopher job after gopher job. Once that job uh, finished, which would have been like in maybe September of seventy uh, nine. Yeah, and uh, the receptionist at Radio and Records, it just shows you how networking begins. Yeah, uh, She said that her husband was a producer uh, at a company called Bob Banner Associates. And Bob had a show back then called Solid Gold. And then shortly thereafter... They uh, had the which Solid Gold a, Dancers. They had the Solid Gold oh, Dancers. Oh, my. They shot that at KTLA. Oh, my. And the first year, Dion Warwick was the host. Mm-hmm. And uh, then it was Marilyn McCoo and uh, Andy Gibb. And what what was your role on that? You just so I was just a gopher. Paying. I mean, I started out PA-ing, and yeah. then they needed someone to do cue cards on the country version of it. Okay. And because of architecture school, I could letter pretty well. And so the producer of country top twenty said, "Can you do the cue cards?" I said, "Of course I can." Yeah. And having never done it, and just you know, you say yes to everything when someone says, yeah. "Can you do this?" And that show was shot in Vegas, so we would go there you know once every week uh, or every other week depending on what the schedule yeah. was and would do the country version of uh, solid gold and um, did some other shows variety shows uh, with Bob Banner What was the what was the country version was it like uh, So uh, I'm trying to remember who like, the host was they had guest hosts But I mean, I mean the name for it It was called Country Top 20 Oh okay So it was also the kind cap- of like
1: panning for gold or something like that Yeah, yeah. that would have hey, been
2: better but um, <laughs> you know, Nancy Sinatra hosted it one time, and they had some really great uh, guest hosts on it. Uh, and so, you know, my love of music it was it was just a thrill to be oh, working yeah. on something like that as well. And, um, but I knew that you could see um, it was right before cable TV and, uh, and MTV really yeah, started happening exactly and that was the writing on the wall for variety shows that were either syndicated or on network shows mm-hmm. those went away when mtv was running 24 yeah, 7 Exactly, and uh so when i wasn't working on these shows which everything was always show by show yeah um i was doing some commercials as a gopher and one of the ad's assistant directors asked me what i wanted to do and i said well i want to do what you guys are doing i want to be in film yeah um and uh she just kind of laughed, and she goes, well, everybody wants to do that, but, you know, what?" and I said, well, I want to direct, and then she really started laughing at me, and she goes, well, if you want to direct, you better have something that somebody wants, and that's usually a script, yeah. uh, so you better learn how to write a screenplay, and shortly thereafter, I went out and bought a book written by Sid Field, and I highly recommend the book if you want to be a screenwriter. It still is uh, one of the best ones to this day. So we're going to take a break. That's our cue. Sorry. (laughs) We're going to be continued. Sid
1: Field. Timmy D and the Industry is proudly brought to you by Backstage360.com. Artist interviews, album reviews, featured content, press releases about that band you haven't heard from in a while. Press releases about that band you can't stop hearing about. Get your 360-degree take on the music scene of today at Backstage360.com. Timmy D in the industry is sponsored by Picture Frame Earring Displays. Neatly organize your earring collection on a Picture Frame Earring Display. Check them out at www.pfed.bigcartel.com. Once again, that's www.pfed.bigcartel.com. See what they're all about. Picture Frame Earring Displays are easily customizable to fit your color palette for your room, closet, or wherever you may store your earrings and other jewelry. Grab yours today at www.pfed.bigcartel.com. Ladies and gentlemen, in case you are just tuning in, which I find really hard to believe because you're listening to a podcast, thanks for sitting through those awesome commercials. If you get a chance, also, go check out Groove Pro Instruments. I'm sponsored by their guitars. Uh, Scott LeCompte is, is an amazing dude and Master Luthier. So even if you don't purchase a Groove Pro guitar when you go to his shop, Talk that guy's ear off. Get as much knowledge from him as you can because he knows what he's doing. He knows how to set your guitar up for the kind of music you want to play. And uh, that's about that. You can go to their website at getthatgroove.com. Once again, that's getthatgroove.com. And um, tell him that uh, Timmy D from Pullman Standard sent you. And, well, yeah, something might happen. Or maybe he'll just smile and give you a wink and say, well, then check this guitar out and show you the new Telecaster that he's working on. Anyways, having said that, we were talking about Sid
2: Fields. Yeah, so Sid, this this book really lifts the curtain on the commonality of every story structure in every film. And uh, it really worked for me, maybe because of the background in architecture. But I won't you know, get too much into the uh, bore you guys with the details of what the structure is, in that's common in every movie, whether it's, or TV show, whether it's a drama, comedy, musical, um, they all have a similar structure in that certain things happen uh, at at points in the film that are waypoints that you must hit story-wise or else you lose your audience. And that that gave me a start. It wasn't just sitting down at page one and saying, how do I get to the point that I write fade out the end? He really shows you structurally yeah. what you need to achieve in your story. And um, it's like there are 12 notes in, a, in, in music, and out of that you have infinite... Uh, uh, combinations. Combinations. Yeah. The same is true. So just because the structure is identical in every screenplay, more or less, uh, the stories are infinitely different. Um, and yet the successful ones all check the boxes of something happening within the first 10 minutes, another at minute 28, roughly midpoint, um, the 90 minutes in and at the two hour point. Uh, and that made it easy for me to try to teach myself how to become a storyteller, uh, within the structure of a screenplay. Uh, so that being said, when I wasn't doing a lot of gopher work, um, over the next few years, I was writing every minute that I could on a manual typewriter. No no PC no personal computers back then yet. An old um, school whiteout where you would actually where you could smell it and actually you would feel yourself getting lightheaded from the smell. Oh absolutely. And on a bad day with no money you would eat it. That would be your lunch. Um <laughs> and uh and so I just started writing and writing, all of it really awful. But I learned uh, something every time I tried to write either a full-length screenplay or if there was a TV show back then that mm-hmm. I admired, I would try and write a spec script for that. And, and, uh, and then you start trying to find an agent that will represent you, and, and that was the next step. Because you, as you know, it's hard to get in the door oh, uh, yeah. cold call. Yeah, And so you really need someone to legitimize yourself. And in screenwriting, you need an agent, a literary agent. Now, I do have to say, I have to ask you this, because all the young
1: cats out there that uh, I work with, uh, did you get paid for any of these screenplays that you were writing for these TV shows? And I, and I, what I mean is, is you said... Every spare second you had, you were writing a screenplay. You were writing short stuff. And did you get any money for that? No, zero. It was all spec stuff that you do. Just yeah, no, no. I'm going to have gonna put a pause samples. on that because that's I always tell people is why. Who are you? You know who are you? And I mean, who am I? I walk in through a door. I I bring a service to a club when we're on tour, and we make sure that the drinks are flowing and the music's popping uh, as a band, and they were keeping the guests entertained, but. Even then, how for how many years I've been doing it when I meet some of these younger bands, and they just say, "Oh, it's just so hard because you know nobody's paying us for these we're writing songs, and then you hear their songs you're like, "Well, first of all, your songs are mediocre at best." So you got to start writing some more, start writing some more, write a million. And nobody's paying them to write those songs. It's a labor of love. It's the same thing. You wanted to be a writer. You want to be a director. You want to be a producer. So you start writing, you start honing that craft. It's like a carpenter sitting in the shop after work gets off. And what does he do normally? Well, I frame doors, but then on my off time I'm working on learning how to mold, you know, do molding, you know, on it's the same thing with, you know, any business I've learned, but I mean, I know you can attest for this is you weren't getting paid not a d- and not a penny, but you know where you wanted to go. And so in doing so, you, you put in those extra hours to truly em- embrace your craft. And anyways, I, I'm going to relate that to me is how many years I've known you. And even when I first met you, I had my catalog and now I hadn't seen you Since 2000, we talked about this, 2013, so six years ago, and how much my catalog has expanded since then, and showing you the catalog, and now we're working together on a project, and it's, you know, most of that catalog was, actually, all of that catalog was done on spec, and then maybe I release these songs on a record, and then I get paid for it, but and that was still done by me. That was me sticking my neck out, and we could do that in this day and age, though, because of computers. Back then... You know, you had to have an agent. You had to have a manager. You had to have all these people. There was, you know, the business, the industry was so It was analog. Yeah. And so you had to have these certain ants on the hill that, you know, pass the torch to the next ant. You, you know, you wouldn't get in touch with this person without your manager who's good friends with your manager's manager. And even managers had somebody higher up, like uh if you like what is CAA. Nowadays you have these mini agencies around that, uh, you know, one, two, three people working as a collective and sharing, you know, a client list as opposed to CAA. I mean, that was, I mean, it's still now a juggernaut. It was, it's still a, a juggernaut. Absolutely. But, you know, the agents had agents and bosses to those agents and managers for those agents, for
2: the managers, for the managers. And, you know, I mean, that must have been one hell of a spider web to crawl through. Well, it was, I mean, but my naivete was, I stupidly thought I was actually good at it, at what I was writing, and I didn't know any better, so I stuck with it, which is, as we've talked about before, the people that succeed in our industry are the ones who never give up. Uh, For whatever reason, you just can't give up. If you believe in yourself and you believe you have something to offer, you will succeed. There's no question. Mm -hmm. There will be a way, and you keep working at it until... The networking and the connections you have reach critical mass. And if you've been working hard enough, when that opportunity presents itself, you're in. Yep. And that's really what happened with me. I worked for about, I guess I was writing poorly for three years. I was getting better every time. Uh, No agency would even look at my stuff. And one night, as fate would have it, it's about midnight in a laundromat at 3rd and La Brea. And I see a, a gal reading a screenplay, and I go over to ask her what she does and this is like 1982-ish, maybe. Mm. And I don't blame her. She was a little like, you know, who's this creepy guy at talk, trying to talk to me? And she made it clear she didn't want to talk.
1: You are a handsome man, sir. You look you're back creepy, at some of these older guy. pictures
2: of you. You're
1: a handsome... She was probably like, what does this handsome man want? Notice how it's then, past no.
2: tense, these older pictures of you yeah, the old, back old, in old. the day. Well, but I anyway. mean, you're still handsome. I'm talking like young handsome yeah. man. Young, <laughs> yes. young handsome. And hey,
1: Harrison Ford is still a handsome man. He's just a little bit crankier. That's true. That's slash, true. a lot of bit crankier.
2: Anyways, continue. And, and so, I think she felt badly when she was leaving, and she said, "I'm sorry. What did you want to ask me?" And I just said, "I was curious what you did." And she said, "I work for an agent, and um, a literary agent." I said, "Oh wow, you know." And she goes, "Yeah, I know it's coming." And she goes, "Look, I just uh, switched to a bigger agency. She had just gone to William Morris, which was a much bigger agency than." Uh, the one she had left. And um, she goes, I can't help you, William Morris. They won't even consider yeah. looking at something yours. But it's a, I used to work at more of a boutique agency. They're, they still handle a lot of big writers. Back in the day, they handled two writers that were doing a really popular CBS show called Lou Grant that starred Ed Esner. And uh, anyway, she gave me one of the two brothers who owned that agency, uh, gave me his number. And... I called it the next day, got his assistant, and she put me through uh, amazingly. And I t- his name was Joe Richland, great, great guy. I said, look, I've been trying to get an agent for the last year or so, and I dropped off you know, five, six scripts, writing samples, and I never hear a word back. And back then, it was 10 cents a page yeah. to copy a script, so 12 bucks a script. And I said to him, I said, look, if I'm going to copy you a few scripts, I'm not going to eat this week, so... Just tell me you're not going to read it now, and I'll save us both the trouble. He goes, "No." He goes, "If you drop your two best writing samples off, I'll read them. I promise." And uh, I drop them off, and then don't hear a thing. Use an industry term: hold for siren. How many times I'd be working
1: on set, and they're like, "Hold for sound." Yeah, and then then a sudden, plane going over. A plane or something like that. Before we keep going, and I apologize for stopping you, something that I notice, because I, I like to point this out, when, I like when I have guests that have been in the industry for a while, and you hear the way things used to be, and I don't like to Grandpa Timmy this up, like, yes, tell us, Grandpa Timmy, how did, how did it work back in the day? And it's like, it's not like that. The point is that I'm trying to make is when you have something that you really, really want you need to invest in yourself and a lot of that has been taken away with people just being like well i i direct message this person on instagram at least i've at least 15 times well how do you do you think they've seen it how many people do you think direct message that person that is the e- it's so easy to get a hold of people and you'd be surprised how many people i've emailed just on an off chance like they're not going to get back to me now granted i'd like to say for in the last 2 years i've noticed more people get back to me but that's because I have a little bit more you of a, a resume, to, yeah, it. a little bit more of a resume to show for. So when I send them my stuff, they probably get it and they go, Wait, "Who is this guy?" Let me see, and then they click on the link for my bio and go, "Oh." But even then, how many how many emails do they get? And neither here nor there. Back to the point, you said something that really struck a chord with me. Is if I send you this, then I am not going to eat for like a week, you know. And when Pullman Standard was first starting out, and I was booking the tours. And we had to get merged together. Everything that had to get lined up, I mean, still now, but now I have a little bit more of a cushion, but... If I, didn't, if I didn't budget properly, then we weren't eating on the road or we, we were eating ramen on the road. But even then, if I didn't budget properly, I wasn't eating at home because I'd be sitting at home for two weeks before the tour and not having any money because I had to invest in the T-shirts before we left. And the T-shirts, you know, you get what I'm saying. So the point is you put your money where your mouth is. Like, hey, is this worth it? And sometimes you just got to be okay with getting no return on things. You got to be okay with just pissing away money, not by just carelessly pissing it away. But I mean, this is what you want to do. So you're investing in yourself. Sometimes you're going to go down a dark hallway that uh, leads to nowhere. And sometimes more you're times gonna... than not. you are. Yes. And it's not. Yeah, it's not even sometimes it's all the time you find yourself chasing a lead down a dark hallway. And then the, that flame just burns out right in front of you. And then that one time where you chase that lead down a hallway and you make a sharp left and you feel your way around the corner and there's a bright light right there and you're just, wait, what is that? Let me walk towards that. And it happens to be a door that somebody opened for you or you opened for yourself and you didn't even realize it a long time ago. I'm digressing. Let's get back to the point. So you talk to this guy and... and, He promises. uh, He says, I'm going to read it. And this is,
2: again, I'm still sleeping on the floor in my apartment because I don't have a bed yet. Mm -hmm. This is years. I'm sleeping on a piece of foam rubber. I have no answering machine. There's no cell phones back then. It's a landline. And of course, I was lucky enough, about two weeks later, the phone rings. It's his assistant. And she said, Joe wants to take you to lunch. And we set a date and he... I meet him at this restaurant a few days later, and uh, he says, there's something to your stuff. You're not there yet. He goes, I can't sign you. I'm not going to sign you. I'm not going to tell you. I'm going to actively look for work for you because you haven't given me that writing sample that just sings Yeah. He goes, but keep at it. Meanwhile, and keep feeding me stuff, and let's see where it goes. Meanwhile, if you run into somebody who likes something you've written You can tell them that I represent you, and I'll negotiate that deal. And that's where he left it. So for me, I walked out of there. It was as good as having an agent. Yes. And oddly enough, about, and this story's almost over as far as how it all started. You're not boring me at all. All right. I love these stories. I see an ad in Variety for, it says, an actor's looking for an assistant. And, you know, I don't have any work at this point, so I answer it. And it's this wonderful actress named Joanna Miles. I go to her house. She tells me what she needs someone to answer the phone and get her dry cleaning and help her yeah. you know, with all the things actors need help with. Yeah. And I kind of must have made a face. And she goes, what? I go, well, that's not really what I want to do. And she goes, well, really, what is it you want to do? I said, well, I'm trying to be a writer now. I'm really working hard at it. And thats I'm not sure that doing what, you're, what you need is where I need to be right now and she was a little miffed by it but she goes well then i guess i better read something of yours so the next day i dropped off a couple of scripts mm-hmm. and then she called me up a week later and said there's one of them that i want to option do you have an agent i said well of course i have an agent <laughs> of course and, and joe knew who you know knew more about her than i did and he knew that her husband was partners with a man named david jacobs and they were doing a show for I don't know whether it became Showtime, but it was like the Z Channel or one of the early premium cable offerings. They were shooting a show in Toronto called Loving Friends and Perfect Couples, which was an R-rated Dallas, which David had created Dallas. And uh, so Michael Brandman, her husband, she said, OK, I'll get something in front of Michael. And that, that was our deal. She had a six-month option in exchange for trying to get my work in front of those guys. And she did. She was good to her word. David read one of my scripts and said, okay, we'll give him one of these loving friends and perfect couples. And that's how I got in the Writer's Guild. So, I mean, it's just, it's crazy. And that was the beginning of my career. I did that one thing. And in that one assignment, I had made more money in a week writing that script for David than I had in a year and a half. And that got me in the Writer's Guild. I got health insurance. And then I figured I, I, you know, I wasn't, I didn't think it was very good What I turned in. I figured I'll never hear from anyone again. But now that I had that money, I know I was good for another year, year and a half. Yeah. I'll keep writing. And David called me that very day after I turned in. He goes, That's, you did a really good job. I'm going to have you make some changes on it. And he goes, and then I think I'll give you a uh, Knots Landing, which was a primetime yeah. CBS show back in, this is now 19, early 1983. And I figured, yeah, he's just talking. And he was true to his word, gave me an assignment. I wrote that one, turned it in. And fortunately, uh, I was lucky enough. The day I turned that uh, primetime episode in, they had just fired a staff writer on Knots Landing, and he called me that night and said, "Do you want to come on staff?" And then I, and I did, and yeah. it was the beginning of my real education and how to be a writer, and then ultimately a writer producer, and then a director. But so those crazy things of a girl in a laundromat to an ad in Variety to this agent who was kind enough to say, I'm not going to represent you, but if you need some help, I'll do it, who then became my agent for the next 10 years. You kept moving forward, though. Yeah, it was crazy. You just keep moving forward.
1: And I always say, it's not, yeah, there's a a bit of luck, but it's more of what I was always, my dad always used to say, Timmy, if you didn't have bad luck, you'd have no luck at all, man. But followed it up with, good luck is nothing more than preparation meeting opportunity. There are people out there that have said random things to me like, you'll find that you'll get a little bit luckier the harder you work, Timmy. Yeah. And then you just got to be disciplined to get it done. And Jocko Willink, who I'm a big fan of, he's an ex-Navy SEAL, but even says, discipline equals freedom. And if you stay disciplined, you know, and when somebody has a writing assignment for you, then you get it done and there's no excuses. And you stay up until the middle of the night and you make sure that the drums are, oh, I'm sorry. What am I? I'm preaching about myself here. Uh, I'm so excited to be working on a project with you. Ladies and gentlemen, we are tuned in. You are tuned into Timmy D in the industry in case you fell asleep. Joel Fagenbaum, uh, a, I'm going to call you famous because you're famous to me, sir, but uh, <laughs> writer, director, producer, Hollywood man about town, now living in Kansas, though. Go Chiefs. Go
2: Chiefs. Go Mahomes. We have, man. We have a
1: quarterback that is one in a million. I like that fella. That good old Mahomes, man. I'm on your IMDb right now, but yes, Joel Fagenbaum, You can spell his last name F E I G E N B A U M. Is there anywhere that I could direct people to find you online, as far as a website?
2: Yeah, there. I mean, I have uh, you know a vanity site. It's called thefilmelectric.com, dot All one word: T H E F I L M E L E C T R I C ccom com. The film electric. Mm-hmm. and you can see footage of all the different shows and music videos and there's that's one that's what you were showing me yes and there's Please one with, go. i'm going to put Timmy that link. D. i did one uh, when they were traveling through Kansas City <laughs> we shot one in Kansas City uh, i was a one man production unit that night and we had a ball doing it um so we did i think the one that's on there is till sunrise which is an incredible song thanks man i love that tune as a fun fun story about that song uh,
1: i wrote it with the guise of getting it submitted to the second Twilight movie. Um, and it and would be perfect for that. I mean, I, it was a, just a demo, and our agent at the time, Margaret Giroux from IMT, kind of like, was like, Timmy, you know, uh, this movie, the Twilight movie, was so successful. The first one, they're making a second one. They're looking for a bunch of indie band songs. What do you got? And I sent her that. I immediately went home, finished the demo, and within two days, turned it around, got it mastered, and then sent it back over to her, and she said, this is great, I'll submit it, you know? Like, the lyric sheet and everything. But I mean, that's what, that's comparing, like, what you said. When somebody hands you a project, it's like, there's an opportunity. Nothing happened or did it, because, because I went home, I finished that demo, and... I love the way it turned out. I love that song. I love the, I rewrote all the lyrics, the The verse lyrics, the chorus I loved. Stay with me till sunrise. But then the verse, all of a sudden I looked at it from that movie, the Twilight movie, you know, like vampires and werewolves and let's stay out till the, you know, and so I had my own little stories from back in the day that things that I had been through. And then just that hodgepodge made those verses and voila so people are like oh nothing ever came of it well I, I don't know you got a pretty kick-ass song out of it right or you got a pretty kick-ass script you know we're working on a pretty kick-ass script right now man well, and thank it, you. you know uh known for let's go through a few of these uh
2: pacific palisades yeah that was a short-lived uh <laughs> malibu shores burke's law Burke's Law was a remake of a Gene Barry series from the '60s. It was Aaron, the original Burke's Law was Aaron Spelling's first producing job, and then in '90, I want to say '92 ish, CBS wanted to redo it, and I was lucky enough uh, uh, to be asked to work on that. And That was a bodies lot of, fun. of evidence. Bodies of a George evidence. Clooney. George was Sir. the al- George was the lead in that, along with Lee Horsley. Good Lord, the young writers. Young Riders just wrote freelance wrote uh, an episode of that but the western that I was I had done a little bit before that was called Paradise and that also starred Lee Horsley and we did that for CBS for 3 years and that show was just a gas to do because you know you're going out to Disney Ranch we built this western town You got horses, guys You know, wearing six guns. I've worked on that set. It's still there, man. Yeah. But I worked on it
1: with the Jonas Brothers. (laughs) Oh, wow. I was, they were, yeah. It was really cool. The staffer that was there, he had history about all of Disney Ranch. And I worked on Pirates of the Caribbean 3 up there. Right. And they built that whole fort. And that thing was massive. Yeah. And they had built it in that field next to the farmhouse. And they put this big uh, green screen up in front of the farmhouse so they could just... You know, take it yeah. out in post. But that fort looked—it
2: looked like we were in the Caribbean. Oh, they yeah. brought I mean, in all these palm trees, and you I mean, the, yeah, eight eight hundred acres there with the lake, and I mean, it, it, it was just—and uh, we did most of the show there uh, for Paradise. Although we would go up to Angeles Crest, and um, we did some pretty exotic locations. Uh, hold
1: for siren. Hold for sound. Holding. That's where we shot the If and When video. There's a few scenes from there uh, on Angeles Crest uh, great Angels Chris, Yeah. And then Beverly Hills, 90210, right. the so OG the, series you were, or you directed.
2: Yeah. That by, you know, uh, through I, a I, lot
1: more direction. I apologize for interrupting, but yeah. I'm looking at a lot of credits. This is, I'm just, I have a little soft spot in my heart for 90210. Come on, let's, yeah, yeah. let's hear well, it.
2: Well, you know, also as my career progressed, I went from writer to writer, producer, and, um, Again, this is really all due to, uh, David Jacobs, who, when I started as a writer, I mean, one of the things he really wanted from all his writers was to learn every aspect of the business so that it makes, it makes you a better writer. If you know why, after you've written your script, they say, well, we can't shoot something at that location. You start to become a better writer as far as what's producible on a seven day shooting schedule. Yeah, And so David wanted us to know, you know, uh, locations, casting, editing, yeah. uh, all aspects of it. And, uh, and once you get to that point, ultimately David let me move up to writer producer. And then I kept pushing him over the next few years to, to direct as well. And, uh, again, you kind of get to that critical mass of experience. And I, and when I wasn't writing, uh, I would try and be down on the set when we were filming and pick the brain of every director that was directing about why are they doing that shot? How do they break a scene down? How do they work with actors? And, uh, you know once I got to the point where other people were confident, including the networks that I had enough experience to pull it off i I got a you know my first directing assignment, and that was coincident you know coincided with my family was getting bigger by then I had three kids, and writing and producing is a a lot of work a lot of you know fifteen sixteen hours a day, seven days a week while you're in production and I wasn't spending enough time with my family. they were growing up before my eyes and I mean I remember coming back from filming in Canada. And I was gone for three weeks and the, I hurried back on a Saturday morning, uh, flew in early to L.A. and get to the house and the three kids are sitting on the couches watching cartoons. And when I came through the door, there was this blank look like, do we even know this guy? And that made me feel awful. And so I realized I got to change my career up a little bit. And yeah. that's when I segued to just becoming a freelance director. Yeah. And and really I mean I did produce a few more shows after that realization, but very they were short orders. What was that? Like uh ninety five? Ninety five. Ninety five. And then
1: that's when you kind of started hanging out in town a little bit more because, you know, directing credits and producing credits, you're looking at this on your IMDB list. Long and distinguished. Uh but Uh, you know a lot of shows that shot here and you kind of see like directors in Hollywood. That's something I noticed is some of the cats that are more like family men and they really get that cush gig of working on the TV show like Bones or something that has or NCIS, something that's run for 13 years and they are stoked about it man because where are you going? You're doing all your shooting in town. All the locations go from Long Beach to Palos Verdes to Valencia and anywhere in between but you're not really driving much more than an hour in
2: any direction and you get to come home at night or at least you're home most of the week. Yeah, and and the beauty of it also is if you're freelancing, it's not like you can be, it would be great if you could be working 40 weeks, 50 weeks a year, but there's going to be gaps in your schedule that you're hired for. And uh, so I would have time off and I could do the things that father's supposed to do. So it it was a great segue uh, in my career, and I wasn't giving up anything. I was gaining a lot by directing and spending as much time as yeah. possible with the family. You can. And, yeah, go ahead. And No, and then, you know, so, again, thanks to the spelling group, Aaron was, you know, very kind to let me make that transition from writing and or producing a show to just freelance directing. Yeah. And so he had 90210 and Melrose and... Yeah. Um, the 90s were a, a, a very much a heyday uh, for shooting here in Light. There was a...
1: Everything was shot here. And then it all started kind of leaving... Yes, At the beginning of the 2000s. And by the time I had gotten into the acting side of things in my career, I mean, early on, but a lot of the cats were talking like, oh, it's all over, man. Everything's going to Canada. Everything's going to Atlanta. Everything's going, I mean, Louisiana, everything was leaving California. And it's true, man. I ended up working on uh, an Adam Sandler film in Florida. I ended up working in uh, Louisiana on uh, shit I don't even remember. But it all started leaving. Yeah. And Hollywood was okay with it because Hollywood's just, a, you know, it's a business. You got to make money. But it was, it's just kind of confusing to me how it's all set up right here. Right. But you it know? is coming
2: back now a little bit. Yes. The incentives are better. Absolutely. California got competitive. Yeah. Um, and But the other thing, the reason why it was leaving also wasn't even financial. Sometimes it was just the practicality of you can't shoot on Sunset Boulevard anymore. You can't, you know, just the city is a busy city and it's tougher to get the, a, you know, a
1: permit you to can shoot. You can build a Sunset Boulevard for how much some of the permits add up to in the shooting, you know, to get Absolutely. that blocked off. Let's just go build one. Yeah. And we got it. Just right. like Rock of Ages. We were talking about that. That shot in Florida, man. Right. On the sound studio. I was, <laughs> wait, what? Yeah. But my buddy Greg from VMP Photography, uh, he has done a lot of uh, footage for Pullman Standard over the years, and he worked on that movie. And that was kind of, uh, that's how I met that guy. But it's always funny. Uh, that's the story for another time. I don't want to digress too much. But the point that I'm getting to is some of these people that you don't really remember meeting or you, you remember working with them for a brief second and then all of a sudden five years later that person is the head of this and this is my kind of note my little bookmark remember treat everybody with some sort of respect because that's why I notice is there's all these people in this business that just kind of lack of a better term shit on other people and it's like hey you better be careful because that intern right there might be the next big you know Steve Ioki talking about my intern you know what i mean marcus um but and, and so all those things just careful who you're who you're shooting the shit with and if you're gonna make an enemy not enemy like you're gonna beat the shit out of them but moreover just you don't want to work with that person i'm never working with that person i don't care how much money you give me and there's a couple of people like that in my life and i've come across them now being in this business long enough you, they come back around and you're kind of like nope Right. I don't. I don't care how much money is there with that. I'm there's keeping that integrity, and I think that's what keeps you in the good graces of everybody else. Is when they see you have that kind of integrity to not be like, "Hey, I heard all that shit you talked about them, and now you're working with them." I, I don't think that'll ever happen with me. <laughs> right. No, and, <laughs> you know. and
2: you're you're a hundred percent right. and It's great advice for everybody out there. This industry spits those people out—the kind of people that will shit on you. Yeah. I mean. It's amazing. I've had the good fortune to work with hundreds and hundreds of crew people and, and uh, department heads, and they're all there, and they're, because they're great at what they do. they're great at collaborating, which is the most fun part of our industry, I think, is the, collab- the creative collaboration is what gets our creative juices flowing. And I bet there's not a handful of people in 40 years that I work with that were difficult. Or, or people you don't want to work with, because they've already been weeded out. They're not, they're not here anymore. There's just all, everyone should always be reminded, including myself. I always remind myself there's a thousand people circling the building that are willing and happy and, and just chomping at the bit to take my job and your job and everyone else's job. And it, that's what keeps you humble, and, and, and uh, it's something that no one should ever forget. Be, be confident in what you do. You know, be a great uh, collaborator and uh, and you'll succeed. And uh, the people that usually that are kind of lousy like, like that, there's an insecurity in there yeah. that comes forward. Um, and they, you know, they may be on a show, one show, but they just don't get asked back. Yeah. And sometimes they get asked to leave.
1: Yeah. And you don't want to be one of those I've people. That. I've seen that go down, man, on many different levels, everywhere from the bottom of the rung to movie 54 movie 52 or something yeah it was a bunch of short stories tied together and i saw something go down with the director and i was like wow like this is the director and he's getting booted right now oh yeah so and there was a bunch of different directors that worked on that because it was a bunch of short stories so find myself in a little bit of a cushion to say like that happened and nobody can be like oh (laughs) who was it but i know it's somebody no the guy was a sleaze man i was standing in on it and i saw the the what is it the executive producer was coming in with a few and and he was sitting out just kind of being an asshole to somebody and the executive producer all of a sudden out of nowhere he just comes over he's like right up to him and just you can get out of here we're done shooting for the day I mean what is a day shooting how much money you lose on that and he was just like we're done for the day he like shut the set down and was just like you guys I'll go home with pay but you know like that's ridiculous Oh, yeah. You know? no it happens and it's like holy
2: shit man that was the that's the first to- and only time i've ever seen right. that happen but it, it you know it really is amazing to me but you know both in front of the camera and behind honestly 40 years there's only a handful of people that you wouldn't want to work with again they yeah. they they just never get there yeah they so get and that's out. it's it's a darwin type of industry
1: it is it very much is uh on the film side because there's walls that kind of get built up now where we're at with new media and YouTube stars and all these you know freelance production companies that are able to raise money really quickly because they have 10 million hits on YouTube and somebody goes, well, if they're doing that, then I'm going to give them to... It's, it's not as weeded out. And that's the frustrating thing is... That's a the lot beauty of being in Kansas. I, <laughs> you, I, don't have have it, yeah, you don't have to deal with it, I have an idealized version. You know, it's, it's still like, the same way. Yeah, but... It's and it's it's very much it's still Darwin Darwinistic. People do get weeded out, but it's just in 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 the music side of thing where I kind of lay on that side of things is they don't get weeded out as fast or they don't get weeded out as much as you think because it's a little bit looser. It's still the club of Hollywood. There's just a lot of satellite productions now. Atlanta, Dallas, you know, Florida and whatnot, but right. it still is. This is where it's at man. You know, you
2: got to be here. And you do. That's I think that's another takeaway for anyone that's not here. Now, at least to get started, you have to come here. Yeah. And uh and it's a great place to be. It's an exciting place to be. Two of my three kids uh are here and uh and uh one of them is working in the business, another one is changing careers and wants to work in the business and uh and I one of the last things uh, until you ask me another question is in those 40 years, I feel like I've never worked a day in my life because it's so much fun. And now working with Timothy on this is just insanely great and a lot of fun. Sir, I love that you call me Timothy. Like uh
1: this it's very papa. It's yeah. like you yeah, you come down from the mountain and you're like, "Timothy, let us write this script. <laughs> we are going to we are going to do song and dance right. and pour drinks and and be festive." Uh but I, I love I, it. I, and it's it, it's it is I shall call you <laughs> Timothy. <laughs> <laughs> and now
2: hit, you, from this point forward, forth, let it
1: be known and written. You're like out of uh, out of the uh, Arthur. King Arthur King Arthur and heads forth, which uh, to, I told you that I stood in for Charlie Hunnam on uh, Sons of Anarchy and actually did some doubling for him nice fellow man Oh, uh, and a brilliant nice actor now we're going to get into a little section getting to know your interviewee so I, uh, I have some questions for you but oh you didn't we're tell me take, about this, this we're going to <laughs> we're we're do a lightning round it's five questions very simple, quick answers. Do not worry about elaborating. Actually, I'd prefer it if you didn't elaborate. Quick answers. They can be one word. They, they could be one word. They could be a whole story if you'd like. Oh. But uh, we're going to try to. But and quick, bring, a whole quick story. A whole quick story of uh, two seconds. I guess that'd be a short story then. Okay, first of all, we're just going to get into food. Okay? Favorite type of food? Spaghetti. Italian.
2: Okay. There we go. Italian. Awesome. you have uh, Italian descent? Well, nice? I grew up in kind of a Jewish-Italian neighborhood in Kansas City, oh. so Mrs. Deterra up the block, she just made the best of everything.
1: Okay, there we
2: go. Best barbecue in Kansas? Gates. Gates
1: Barbecue. I've had Gates Barbecue. That is hands down the best. Okay, favorite era of Hollywood in the last hundred years? Because they say yeah, there was a golden era, but mm, yeah, what I is
2: would... your era? It would have to be in the David Lean era, which is 50s, 60s. Okay. Bridge on the River Kwai. Ford v. Ferrari era.
1: Oh, man. Um, Okay. Also, uh, this kind of ties into that, but uh, favorite actress in the last 100 years, because as a gentleman who loves, who adores female, uh, the female form. Grace Kelly. There we go. Awesome. I was going to say Natalie Wood for me. Like people are like, that's that's back in the day. But uh, hey, man, just something about her. I could not... You can't take your eyes off the screen when she's on it. So, all right. And then you're going to give me top three action movies of the last 30 years for you. Top three action movies of the last 30 years. Do well, so you does, do one per decade or one in all the same decade? Okay. Well,
2: Aliens, does that count? Or is that, does aliens? that have enough action in it? No, for, that's action. So, this yeah, the second Aliens. Aliens. Uh, oh, boy. Um,. This is going to turn into a long podcast. You better d- We'll, we'll I two parts. We'll think. two we'll two part it. Do um, two parts. I would say that, you know one of the most recent films that just blows my mind is Wonder Woman. I think has some incredible stuff in it. Continue. All right, and one um, more. That's uh, a that's a tough. I mean, there's been a lot of good ones, but. Um, Well, I was hoping
1: you'd say something like Deuce Bigelow. You're like,
2: man, the action in that movie, man, Rob Schneider is just quite quite a character. Frozen, Frozen. uh, No. Um, (laughs) But I mean, it was more of a sequence. But when Bullet came out, that car sequence, which, you know, I mean, Fast and the Furious, I mean, they have some great action and... But, I mean, I think that was really the DNA really starts at that that chase and that Mustang. Is that through the streets of San Francisco? Through the streets of San Francisco. (laughs) Dude, how many many stunt cars?
1: Yeah, Steve McQueen. How many stunt cars do you think they went through? Maybe seven, eight? Well, one of them I actually saw at a
2: car show. Folds in half. (laughs) I saw one of them was at a car show in New York City a few years ago where somebody still had one of them. I think they had five or six of those of the the Mustang. It's a that's um, a great movie. I actually saw that for the first time last year.
1: Somebody's like, "If you like car chases, watch the movie Bullet." And just watch it and understand there's no computer. It's all just a stunt driver kicking ass. Oh yeah, and
2: and shortly thereafter French Connection in the early 70s I have not had seen a that. oh, and that has a car car chase through the streets of New York that takes it up a notch from Bullet. Um, that's it. That's three. Okay. That's, all right. Thank you. Now, God. moving That's on, three. we're going to finish this out with
1: everybody has a hero, has somebody they look up to. Obviously, people, some will say like, oh, my dad, he's my hero and whatnot. All right, let's throw all those answers out the window and say in your career, writer, director, producer, there's somebody that must have influenced you. Maybe it was a mentor. Uh, who is that person and it's, why? it's
2: David Jacobs. I mean, he gave me everything... Uh, that... Uh, David Jacobs, known for... Created Dallas, Knots Landing, Paradise, which mm-hmm. was the western I did, and a number of other shows that I was not involved in. But David, very, very generous. I mean, he didn't know me from Adam, and I only... In fact, it was kind of like a, 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 a Charlie's Angels thing. The, he... I never met him in person when I got that first assignment. He was just a voice on the phone. I didn't meet him until after I turned in the script for not slanting which was the second episode mm-hmm. he gave me that i actually ever met him he didn't know me from adam he just knew me by what was on the page no. and but then once he did put me on staff uh his his knowledge and his experience was is was just unbounded so david That's, thank you david for giving us joel's career awesome well we're going to take one more quick break
1: because i'm i, I really we're going to turn this one into a two-parter uh, and I thank you for your time, uh, Mr. Fagenbaum. You are welcome. Joel, first name is. I always called you Mr. Fagenbaum when I first met you. So that's how you were. And then once and he got
2: to know me, there was, I was no, just like, no Mr. He's after just, that. Now he's
1: just Jay. I <laughs> I don't even want to go through his whole name. We'll just start with the letter. No. Um, Timmy D in the industry. I always love talking shop about music. This is obviously geared more towards a uh, think piece and career of Mr. Joel Fagenbaum. Please look him up at the website again thefilmelectric.com thefilmelectric.com you can actually see a video of my band Pullman Standard out you can there. indeed also one more time thank you before we take this next commercial break but I do want to do a, a music question and see there's our cue for the next commercial break yeah when we get back we're going to talk about a, a little band they kind of had a small impact on the music industry back in the day I don't know uh, how many of you actually pay attention to them but they're called the the Beatles And when we get back, we're going to talk a little bit of Beatles with Mr. Fagenbaum, who's a big fan, and then we'll wrap things up. Thank you so
2: much for tuning in. It's a smile on my face.
1: All right, everybody. That'll wrap things up for part one, the interview with Mr. Joel Fagenbaum. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please subscribe on SoundCloud or go to the Anchor app or Google Play, iTunes, Timmy D and the industry. Head on over to www.pullmanstandard.com and... You could find the links for this podcast as well as my band Pullman Standard. Thank you so much for following us on Facebook and just every single social media platform out there that Pullman Standard is attached to or Pullman Media. Anyways, I'm going to get out of here. Got a lot of work to get done today. Trevor's going to be coming in tonight to podcast, and that's damn cool because I haven't gotten to see him, and he's got some news to share about his... Career in the Hollywood scene and what he's been doing as far as working as a crew guy on a few productions around town. But we'll leave it at that. And until the next time, if a task once begun, never leave it till it's done, be that labor big or small. Do it well or not at all. Rock and roll.
0: All my best to give to everyone and don't forget. Before the year is done This is when we need to make the most Take some time from coast to coast And let the lights that shine so pretty Guide us home So happy holidays to all I've been waiting through summer and the fall to share some time with those who mean so much Laugh with those who stayed in touch Happy holidays to all Here's my wish of hope, cheer and love At this holiday celebration Find you in the best of company brings a smile that never leaves but don't forget the ones that always brought you home so happy holidays to all I've been waiting through summer and the fall so share some time with those who mean so much and laugh with those who stayed in touch happy holidays I've been waiting Through summer and the fall To share some time With those who mean so much And laugh with those Who stayed in touch Happy holidays to and heart production.